Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Thursday, February 23rd edition of the Basement Academy. Uh, just an administrative note, uh, invite you to submit questions. Uh, there's a little box uh, underneath the, uh, on the church website, uh, underneath the video where the Daily Basement Academy is posted. It'll say something like questions from the Academy. You are the Academy, right? And so invite you to shoot off some questions that you're curious about, theological questions, biblical questions, anything you know that you want, but anything around the essential tenets um, or the church survey we've been doing. So would love to start taking those uh, questions, fielding those on Monday of next week, okay? Uh, let's begin with our morning psalm. And we are going to read Psalm 23. Seems very appropriate for the topic uh, of the day. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Mm. Love Psalm 23. So much, <laughs> so much contained there. We're going to talk about the 10th commandment today the commandment against coveting. And so Psalm 23, the opening line, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. This is the complete opposite of a life that covets, that wants what others have, right? So let's, let's uh, begin our time by reflecting on Psalm 23, how our God provides for us, the green pasture, the quiet waters, the table set before us, even in the presence of enemies, in the midst of the darkness and the valleys. He is with us. He provides comfort in his presence. So we are not without, okay? We are cared for, provided. And so let, let's turn to the final uh, commandment. We're we're living in obedience to the word of God. That's the essential tenet. We believe that that's essential to the Christian faith is to understand that we are called to live in obedience to God. So we're using the Ten Commandments as a mirror. I'm going to kind of finish up on that to reflect on our own lives. Now that we are in the season of Lent, um, let us examine ourselves. And so the Tenth Commandment simply says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. The language of uh, the document, our, our essential tenants document, puts it simply this way. Resist the pull. Resist the pull of envy, greed, and acquisition, and instead cultivate a spirit of contentment with the gifts God has given. So we resist the pull of envy, greed, acquisition, of wanting more and more and more. Resist the pull of more. 
and shinier and faster and newer. <laughs> um, resist that pull and instead cultivate the spirit of contentment. Okay, so we want to reflect uh, on this. So we begin with the idea that God knows what we need. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. God provides for us. Well, yeah, then how come some people have more than I do? God has so ordained it. Is that a good enough answer? You have more than others. <laughs> Why? Well, God has so ordained it. The question is, what are you going to do with that which God has ordained? We talked yesterday about practicing right stewardship. So instead of stealing, let us acknowledge that God has provided for us and let us do good with that which we have. And so this is similar to that, right? The, the, the prohibition against coveting. Um, Psalm 16, I think I've got it marked here. Psalm 16, verse 5. Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Psalm 16 reminds, it's in the context of uh, the land, allocating the land, right? As I'm, I'm reading Joshua right now, as Joshua led the people in, and then the land gets divided, the promised land, each according to the tribes, the 12 tribes. Except the Levites don't, the Lord is their inheritance. Um, and so the larger tribes got more land, the smaller tribes got, got less land, but everybody had land, right? And so we begin with this notion that God knows us, God knows what we need. He provides for our needs, not necessarily our wants, right? Because of sin and the way sin sets up in our lives and in the world, right? Communities of people. Um, and so covetousness, wanting, um, desiring, greed, envy, um, these things are part of the human family. It's what drives the advertising industry, really. You know, it, it, the advertising industry tries essentially to create a sense of desire. I need this thing that they're selling, or you need this thing that we're selling, that's the advertisers, right, in order to be happy, in order to have the kind of life that you want however you frame that up in your mind. And so we, we are surrounded by a world that conspires against us who wish not to covet, who, was, who wish to resist the pull of envy, greed, and acquisition. Our world is coming at us. I think social media has only increased that as we see more and more, you know, as people, you know, take pictures of their vacation home and all the cool places and thing, you know, places they go and things they do. Um... Paul counseled Timothy uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 6. This is the passage where we read about the love of money. It's often misquoted or it's not, it's not cited in its fullest expression. And so let me read uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6 beginning verse 6. And we have to hear this. But godliness with contentment is great gain. So he's, he's taking the, the language of, of financial gain, right? There is great gain in contentment. 
For godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmless desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. So a lot of times we hear it misquoted, the love of money is the root of all evil. It is a root of all kinds of evil. The love of money itself is not evil. It is the root of all kinds of evil. John Wesley, um, the great revival preacher uh, of a few generations ago, right? We know Wesley, uh, the one who helped to undergird and found what we know as the Methodist Church, the Wesleyan and Methodist traditions. Um, story I read some time ago and just kind of confirmed that. <clears throat> uh, at one point, he had just purchased some new decorations for his home. And then he encounters a woman on the street who has no winter coat, and but he has spent what he has available to him. He has just made a purchase and was convicted by the Holy Spirit of that. And in a sermon entitled On the Uses of Money, he, he made this, this short little saying that, that you might have heard, gain all you can, to earn all you can, make all the money you can, gain all you can, save all you can, give all you can. It's like, well, that, that seems like a contradiction. If I'm making as much as I can, and I'm saving as much as I can, then how can I give as much as I can? So I think the idea is this. God has endowed you with skill, with gifts, um, with abilities. There's nothing wrong with the generation of wealth. There's absolutely nothing wrong. In fact, God gives that gift to some people. Some of you have the gift of making money. I don't think I do but some of you do. Uh, business savvy, investing savvy, other kinds of abilities that you have, you have gained significant wealth. So gain all you can. Apply yourself to the acquisition of wealth, okay? Then I'm gonna you make sure we're not contradicting here, right? Save all you can, that is be frugal. He didn't say gain all you can so you can spend all you can. Gain all you can so save all you can. He advocates in this sermon frugality. Drive the used car. You don't have to upgrade your car every two or three years. You don't have to get the new kitchen. You don't have to get the new bathroom. You don't have to get, you know, whatever, the new vacation home. You do that, but you don't have to do that. So frugality, you know, be a, be a coupon clipper, so to speak, right? Be, be thoughtful about how you spend so that save all you can so you can give all you can. So as you make as much money as you can, you, you're, you live frugally, so you, you, you have your needs taken care of. With food and clothing, we will be content, uh, Paul says. 
so that you're able to respond to the needs of the world, the needs of the church, the needs of the community, uh, the needs of the widow without <laughs> a coat, right? Like Wesley encountered. It is good counsel. Um, and so the, the place for self-examination here is how do you use money? That does money, see, we don't, we don't hold money. Money holds us, right? You know, money, money gets a hold on us. We're afraid sometimes to spend it because I might need money in the future. And we're aware of that, okay? But, but God has promised to provide for us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. And so be thoughtful about, resist the pull of envy. That is looking at your neighbor, seeing what they have. Well, I want one. They've got one. I want one. Greed, I want to get as much as I can so I can build bigger barns, so I can, that's saving all I can, but not so that I can give all I can. Acquisition, I want it so that I can be recognized, I can have status, people can notice the, you know, car I drive or the house I have or the whatever, you know. And so resist the pull of the world, cultivate contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And so there's an irony there. When we realize that in Christ, we have everything. We have more than the world could ever offer. Jesus is the pearl of great price. The, the, the merchant sp spends everything and goes off in pursuit of that pearl, spends everything to go off and purchase that field. There's a, a treasure hidden in that field. And so in, in Jesus Christ are all the treasures of heaven, all the treasures of God, our inheritance. You have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. That is, God, you've provided for me. Surely the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. God continues to just bless my life. I have all that I need. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Our future is secure, friends. <laughs> Heaven is secure, and it's beyond what any eye could see, uh, ear has heard, or mind could conceive, what God has planned and prepared uh, for us. And so it is the riches of his grace that have been poured out on us. And he would have us use worldly wealth to bless and strengthen others and use that wealth to see others brought to Jesus Christ, right? And so I'm going to talk about this next week, but the uh, wealthy Christians who are behind the He Gets Us campaign, and um, these are people who are willing to spend millions of dollars that God has given them to try to influence our culture to, 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 to come to Jesus, okay? And some of you may have seen those He Gets Us campaign uh, ads on the Super Bowl. So anyway, um, examine your own spending. Do you know how much you're spending on non-essentials? Do you know how much you're giving to the church? Do you know how much you're giving to other charities? Uh, have you looked at those ratios of how much you're spending on non-essentials, how much you're spending on the vacations and the things like that. And I'm not trying to be scoldy. I'm trying to offer thoughts for self-examination so that we could be those who God has blessed to make money so that we live frugally, so that we can give to support the work of the kingdom uh, and the works of mercy uh, to those in need. Um, just to wrap up, I've said it before, but I think this is a good little rubric to remember the Ten Commandments. And I, I believe we're going to, we, we've 
kind of mapped out that we would do a Ten Commandments sermon series uh, over the summer. And so um, just want to kind of get this in front of you. The Ten Commandments functions as a fence. That is, it, it provides protection. When we live inside its protective walls, as we don't covet, as we don't steal, as we don't murder, as we don't uh, um, lie or bear false witness, we are safe. So the, the Ten Commandments are a fence. They're a path. They're guiding us in the path of righteousness, right? Psalm 23 he guides me in the paths of righteousness. The Ten Commandments leads us to faithfulness, honoring the Sabbath, honoring our father and mother, honoring those in authority, um, uh, worshiping uh, with heart and soul and mind and strength. And so here's a path of good living that leads to fruitfulness and flourishing in our lives. But the Ten Commandments, as we've seen for these last uh, several days, is also a mirror. We hold it up and we examine ourselves, we see ourselves in light of those Ten Commandments. And so in the season of Lent, particularly, let us pay attention to what we see in the mirror and pray that you um, will use the Ten Commandments. And, and, and this, this document, um, this uh, Essential Tenets document, as a tool for your own spiritual growth, development, repentance, faithfulness, and that hopefully at the end of, we'll, we'll reflect one more time tomorrow, uh, but the end of these, what it would be now, six weeks, I guess, of reflecting on our firm foundation, that we would be stronger, wiser, more faithful disciples, because that's always the goal, okay? Hey, let's close in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you that you have provided for us all that we need. We are not in want. And, and so teach us to cultivate contentment in our lives that we could uh, come to experience what Paul writes of here, of godliness with contentment would be great gain, that we would feel our lives to overflowing. And so give us the ability to resist the siren call of the world that calls us to, to want more and more and more. And so, Father, help us to open our hands and open our hearts and to serve the needs of the church, serve the needs of the community, serve the needs of those who have not, that we might draw them closer to the kingdom. And so we bless you and thank you that in Jesus we have found the pearl of great price. And with this, we shall always be content and be enriched. And so, Lord, hear our prayer as we make it in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause your cup to overflow in such a way that it flows out into a blessing for many lives around you. May he do it this day and forevermore. Amen.